This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Now, the Formula One Singapore Grand Prix is back and it's set to see its biggest turnout since the first night race in 2008. Tickets for this year's edition are expected to sell out. Are you surprised at all? Singapore's F1 race is more, of course, than just a glamorous racing spectacle. It's regarded as a marquee event that not only brings significant economic benefits to the country, but also enhances its global branding and standing. On the back of this, the mice industry is also expected to bounce back strongly after being hit badly by the pandemic, with around 25 events timed around the race. So what does F1's return really herald for fans, businesses and the economy as a whole? Zakir Hussain is joining us now. He's Singapore editor at The Straits Times and he'll fill us in on the depth and breadth of all of this. Hi, Zakir. Hi, hi. Good to join you, Bertie. Yeah, with some good news. So tell us, Zakir, how are fans and businesses really gearing up for the upcoming F1 Grand Prix and, of course, the whole slew of events that are timed around the race period? So I think, you know, we've seen the flights coming in over that period are full. The hotels in the Marina Bay area and further beyond are fully booked up. You know, ticket sales are set to match the inaugural race. And at the same time, you've got a slew of major, you know, events and conferences also slated to take place around that period and timed around the F1, like the Forbes Global CEO Conference, the Milken Institute Summit, as well as a number of entertainment events. Right. So it sounds like a lot. So tell us exactly how businesses are gearing up then for all of this. You know, I think the manpower shortage is a concern, I think. But, you know, I think they're they're sort of looking to ramp up part-time staff numbers around the period, as well as make sure that they're able to cope with the surge in demand, especially with sort of a number of precinct parties lined up, you know, not just around the Marina Bay area, but also Clarkey, Orchard Road, Sentosa, as well as around the main venue. The thing is, Zakir, we've been hearing about manpower shortages in certain industries, including F&B. So how are all of these gaps going to be bridged in order to be able to have all of these events and all of these celebrations go smoothly and seamlessly? So I think, you know, when it comes to sort of these one-off bursts, I think it's usually not such a challenge to get temporary manpower, you know, whether it's part-timers, students, or just casual younger workers to kind of help fill in for the weekend. I think the overtime rates probably help as well. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Stakeholders in the tourism industry are also obviously quite optimistic about the race. Mm -hmm. What's really at stake for Singapore when we look at it in the larger scheme of things? I think it's a return, you know, to a pre-COVID tourism peak of, you know, 16, 18 million visitors a year, which we had up till 2019. I think the past two years have been a bit of a blip. This year, the recovery has been steady, with the exception of China being a major tourist market, not seeing really any outbound tourists at all. But we've had tourists from other regions return in full force from the region itself, from India, as well as Europe and America. And I think once China opens up, you know, I think a lot of the players are quite optimistic that, you know, the tourism sector is likely to rebound as it had. But at the same time, I think many of them are also not resting on their laurels. A lot of the places elsewhere that opened up post-COVID saw, you know, long queues, shortages. We've seen the challenges some European airports face in terms of coping with the demand. In fact, even a few months back, we saw, you know, long queues of people waiting to get taxis at Changi Airport because, you know, maybe they didn't anticipate the French then. And I think that's why some players, especially STB, are looking to invest in infrastructure for the longer term so that when tourists do 
never return in full swing. The infrastructure and the experience is likely to be pleasant rather than messy. Mm. Yeah, we'll talk more about new infrastructure in the cruise and ferry space in just a moment. But analysts are also saying that while hosting the F1, of course, signaled Singapore's readiness for a post-pandemic future, we mustn't forget that we're not completely out of the woods yet when it comes to COVID-19. And of course, what if there's another pandemic? I hate to be the party pooper here, <laughs> but we always have to be prepared for the next one, right? Right. What are your thoughts on this based on what analysts are saying as well? I think, well, there's room to be cautious, you know. The reality is, I think when folks come in to Singapore for F1, some of them might come in COVID positive, right? And they might attend That's the parties true. or events. Yeah. You know, we've been unmasked in public by the time the F1 comes around, you know, close to two months now. And you wonder whether the masking restrictions on public transport might even be lifted for that weekend. Mm. But that sounds rather dangerous, doesn't it? I mean, you're talking to someone who still wears her mask wherever she goes. (laughs) Whether indoors or outdoors, you know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I think we're at a stage where actually most of the world has taken off their masks. And I think most of the world is kind of moving on from COVID-19. And I think the danger is that if we're too cautious and if we lag behind too much, you know, we lose out on the larger opportunities that are out there. And I think, yeah, no doubt, you know, the next pandemic, another major surge is something to be concerned about. By all indications, you know, given that, you know, most people are vaccinated, new vaccines are on the way, don't really need to be overly cautious, I think. Mm. And I think if you're still concerned, well, there is still the option of staying home. So in other words, you don't want to be too much like Bharati, who actually is kind of still living a COVID lifestyle, (laughs) just to be safe, you know. But I can understand, I mean, from a wider country standpoint, you really do have to manage all of this very carefully if you want the economy to continue humming to a great extent. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. You did talk about the need for new infrastructure generally in Singapore. I know that the STB is studying the need for new cruise and ferry infrastructure in particular. Tell us more about this. Why is this needed at this point? I think there's a fair bit of pent-up demand for travel in the region. You know, And now that the region's economies are recovering, there's also a growing middle class that I think expects to travel. And I think while flights may not have been able to catch up as rapidly, I think the longer-term projections show that cruise travel is, is set to remain steady and I think there's strong demand. We've seen the demand for cruises to nowhere when we were just, you know, semi-opening up during the pandemic and I think STB's projections you know, they expect the cruise industry to return to pre-pandemic levels in the next couple of years and I think this robust growth, it's something that really needs the infrastructure to support it if we want to attract the numbers and the tourists in. Now of course much has been made about the fact that Terminal 5 will be designed with a pandemic in mind so So the way it is being architecturally designed is actually very in line with what we will need in the event of a pandemic, a pandemic-ready terminal. So can we expect something like that in the cruise and ferry industry as well? Probably, I'd say. I mean, although, you know, cruise ships are a bit different from airlines, right? 
maximum maybe 500 people per plane. If you talk about a cruise ship, you're talking several thousands. But I guess, you know, I think some of that flexibility for testing, for segregation, for even quarantining passengers who might be unwell, some of that is likely to evolve in the next few years as the cruise industry also tries to adjust to some of these new demands while at the same time preparing, you know, for future pandemics or future crises that might again drive demand down. How are industry observers and players reacting to the development that is under study right now? I think there's some optimism, right? You know, they're talking about right now our cruise terminal is in Marina South. It's fairly central. But at the same time, there's limited capacity. And I think if they're looking at more births, if you look at places like Florida or Venice, where you have a steady stream of cruise ships coming in and out, and, and when they birth, they need to be parked there for a couple of days or so. It's not quite like an airport where, you know, the planes come in and within a couple of hours, they're off again. So I think there's optimism. I mean, you're looking, you know, spaces like Pasir Panjang as a possible major cruise center. And I think talking about even having facilities like hotels, outlet malls, F&B facilities, recreational areas at larger terminals. And I think, you know, I'm quite certain we'll be looking at some of these overseas terminals for ideas and possibilities as to how Singapore's cruise facilities could develop. All right. Thank you very much for that, Zakir. Really appreciate it. Zakir Hussein, Singapore editor at The Straits Times. Thanks for joining us. The SG Extra podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.